When it comes to measuring the passage of time, five years doesn't seem like a huge amount. Unlike decades, which seem to pass very slowly, things that happened five years ago seem so close that you can almost touch them. In this edition of the Engineering Innovation Podcast, we step back five years to the birth of SimCenter and explore all of the reasons why the last five years have been some of the most tumultuous in the history of our species. Let's join Jean-Claude Urkelinelli and Stephen Ferguson as they talk about why five is a magic number. Today, I'm joined by Jean-Claude Urkelinelli, who's Siemens' new Senior Vice President of Simulation and Test. So this podcast is sort of a birthday party for SimCenter, which has recently celebrated its fifth anniversary. Now, this is kind of a very intimate party, one to which only Jean-Claude and I have been invited, or perhaps it's one of those awkward conversations you sometimes have in the kitchen at bad parties, only with several hundred podcast listeners eavesdropping on our chat. So as I understand it, Jean-Claude, SimCenter's official birthday was June the 14th, 2016. What do you remember from that time? Well, there's a lot of th- things that they, uh, did happen in 2016. First of all, I think that you may re- remind it yourself that it was a special year for us, right? So it's when CD Adapco was acquired by Siemens Digital Industries. Well, what I do recall is uh, also a bit of a, what the, uh, I was told at the time is that uh, actually the SimCenter was initially meant to be the combination of NX, CAE, and LMS products. But with the acquisition of CD Adapco by uh, Siemens, Digital Industry Software, that quickly expanded into, hey, let's make SimCenter the portfolio for all the simulation and test solutions that Siemens is investing in and, and bringing in. Uh, the team at that time did really a sound and smart decision. I wish, to be honest with you, that I was part of that team who made it. Because I really believe they did an excellent job at, at, at creating that brand. So you weren't there at the conception or the birth, really. But like five years later, you find yourself in charge of kind of bringing the whole of the SimCenter portfolio of products, SimCenter itself, to maturity. And that, that seems like a massive challenge, doesn't it? Yes, you're right. But you know what? I feel so excited and confident at the same time. But first, I, I need to acknowledge or recognize that I've been extremely lucky in my career. Because I worked and learned from the greatest visionaries and pioneers in the simulation and test industry we're in. You know, Steve McDonald, David Gossman, Jan Luridan, Alain de Rouvray, Matt Neal, John Swenson. No one can wish for better mentors to work and learn from, right? But the second, I'm also fully supported by a reliable team of talented and creative engineers. That team has been built upon and has created a solid foundations that resulted from the successive Siemens acquisitions. With the team, we're sharing the same passion for contributing at creating that a, a sustainable industrial innovation for the world uh, we really want to live into today, but also tomorrow. That's where the confidence comes from, also from the, from the, the team and, and the background, and also by the intimacy in the connections that we have with the, our customers and their grand challenges. At the end of the day, my responsibility is to make sure that the Siemens simulation and test solution team is developing the best in class solutions to help our customers realize their engineering objectives that is to design optimize test more effectively better products and faster so at the end uh, they can also themselves create the value and sustain their competitive advantage 
So we, we talked about kind of the challenges of today. I wanted to frame this episode of the podcast in terms of the five years, because for most people, five years doesn't seem like a huge amount of time, especially for, for middle-aged men like us. But if you think back five years, there's so many huge things that have changed in the world. And I, start, I want to just maybe think about some of those things and talk about the role that Sim Centers played. So for me, the biggest thing that's happening in the moment is obviously climate change. Now, obviously, climate change was already happening five years ago. It's been happening more or less since the Industrial Revolution. But for a lot of that time, it's quietly creeping up on us. But since 2016, there's been a real change in urgency. And I and perhaps I, I give her too much credence. But I think in 2018, when Greta Thunberg addressed the Climate Change Conference and started talking about her Ruin My Childhood speech, since then, almost everybody's been talking about climate emergencies. And there's like a real sense of urgency. And if you think about it, this is the biggest challenge our species has probably ever faced, isn't it, since the Industrial Revolution? Like our entire civilization, our entire standard of living is based on burning these these hydrocarbons and we can't do it anymore. So in the next 10 to 30 years, we're going to have to stop, stop burning hydrocarbons. We've still got to kind of maintain the standard of living for 8 billion people. And obviously, I mean, simulation and test and digital twins are going to play a huge role in that, aren't they? Yes. Uh, and luckily, the investment being made in those fields to address that major challenge are probably the uh, the most important challenge that they, uh, we're facing for a long time. is isn't starting just today, or it hasn't started even five years ago when Siemens Center was created. Siemens teams have been working on that sustainability and environmental problems for actually several decades from now already. And we can actually really state that this is putting us into an unrivaled position to really fully support our customers to reduce that CO2 emissions from the products, but also the processes as part of that transition to a, what you call also the net zero carbon economy. And here our role is crucial because we enable them to achieve that technological innovations that contributes to better living. As an example, in the field of the power generation, did you know that the Tokyo Olympic Games have used energy produced by hydrogen burning gas turbines? Yeah, amazing. No, no, I didn't know that. Right. And did you know that these were designed with the Sim Center? No, that's incredible. Right. If that was possible, it's because the investment of making it possible started a few decades ago. What we see here is that the, uh, the readiness of our solution to uh, help uh, enterprises tackle those, that challenge. And it's not the only one. So we have plenty of customers involved in many ambitious projects from carbon capture usage and storage units, but also in the global subsea power grids to address the challenge of exist today in complementing the green electricity sources that we have. If you look into also in the field of automotive transportation, we are engaged for more than 30 years, 30 years at improving the efficiency of the internal combustion engines and developing cost and usability competitive alternatives with a safe hybrid and electrical powertrains. But we also investigate for actually 12 years now in a new battery cell technologies and in the fuel cells application domains as well. So you see, we're not just a passive and we're already ready to help our customers to really embrace that challenge and address it. You've really got to be ahead of the curve, though, haven't you? Because the, you know, the development time for some of these things is so long, you have to be looking to the future all the time, which is you know, part of the challenge that you face in a new role, I guess. That's correct. So you, you, you actually absolutely phrase it well. We're here to anticipate what the problems of tomorrow may be. And, you know, we do not uh, do that on our own. We've created that customer advisory council where we, with the key players, we meet, uh, you know, a few times a year 
discuss about the grand challenges and where the simulation and the test solutions can help them addressing their uh, grand challenges. So that's the way we build the future and the capabilities that they uh, are being used by our customers. So the second big challenge I came up with, which is also a rather obvious one, is the whole kind of coronavirus thing. So if we'd have talked in 2016 and predicted that within five years, most of us would have been locked in our homes for 17 months hiding from a virus, it might have seemed like science fiction. But of course, that's a reality we've all lived with. And we've, we've, we've lived through a, a pandemic which has demonstrated that keeping well and being healthy, it's not just about our personal lives, but it, the whole economy of the whole planet depends on it because everything stopped because of this virus. And when I've spoken to you before, you said since the 1970s, computer age engineering has a massive impact on how we live, how we travel, how we communicate and connect with with one another, and increasingly how we can be cured. And that how we can be cured and like live happier and healthier lives, that's something else which SimCenter is going to play a big role in, in the future, isn't it? Just a moment on the coronavirus. I think that you're absolutely right. The world has never before needed to implement that type of mass immunization for the, its entire adult population. And that represented the, the biggest uh, manufacturing and logistics effort since the end of the Second World War. Uh, the reason is that because vaccine manufacturers need to scale up those processes from a small quantity that you work into a lab of, of a working vaccine into an industrial scale in multiple production facilities spread around the world in order to manufacture those billions of doses, and there, there is where the challenge lies, because biological processes don't scale linearly with the geometric size of the bioreactor. And it's also unfortunate, but it's also one of the main reasons behind the production delays that have been extensively reported in the press and uh, were the cause of quite considerable international political tensions. So here, the use of the same center digital twin models helps bioreactor manufacturers to tackle that challenge and allow them to double the production of vaccine per unit floor space and therefore respond to the time constraint. It, that's one side of the question, I think. But while Siemens has a strong presence in the pharmaceutical domain for optimizing also the energy efficiency of the drug manufacturing processes, I mean, minimizing also the energy consumption as well as the waste of the raw materials while improving the throughput, we expect to see also an increased use of the engineering simulation disciplines in the field of drug discovery, precision medicine, in simulation of body organs subject to protein ingestion, for instance, and to anticipate you know, on the responses of individual patients. And what we see ahead of us, and it's kind of also an objective that we have, is the ability to create in the future a digital twin of a full human body. And I noticed that on the hype cycle, which they publish once a year with kind of emerging technologies, next year's one or this year's one is about to come out now, but last year's one had digital twin of the person as one of those kind of emerging technologies. So that's an exciting thing, isn't it, for the future? But it's going to take a long, it's going to take a while before we get to that stage. But again, that's the, the way we have to have the foresight now to be looking for these trends and developing the simulation and test technology that will allow us to help them come to maturity, I guess. No, you're right. You know, the digital twin is that virtual representation of a uh, physical asset or even a process. But you're absolutely right. So in the future, it's going to be also the, the virtual representation of, uh, of a human body. And uh, that's where we are working on. It's not, it's not for tomorrow, to be honest with you. It's going to take a few years before we get first. But we start seeing the first uh, digital twin models of individual organs that can already be used, like, you know, 
heart, liver, or you know that type of a organs that for which we can already model the behavior subject to a, you know a protein ingestion or a, a drug or any other type of molecules. Yeah. So that brings us nicely on to kind of the third thing which I think has changed in the last five years, which is the emergence of the comprehensive digital twin. So you mentioned that we were acquired by Siemens in 2016. And up until that stage, I'm fairly sure I'd never heard the word digital twin until we started meeting with Siemens people. But since then, it's been everywhere. Now, that might be my ignorance as well. But I look again back at the Gartner hype cycle. It didn't appear. The words digital twin appeared for the first time in 2017. And they were talking about a kind of maturity time of five to 10 years. So we're, we're four years. It's four years since, since digital twins have appeared on the hype cycle. And I think we're starting to get to a stage now where we're starting to see, you know, real life examples of digital twins in action. And again, that's going to be a huge thing for Sim Center and simulation. So Jean-Claude, what role do you think that Sim Center will play in the future of the digital twin? So as I said just before, a digital twin is the virtual representation of a physical asset or a process. When you consider SimCenter, our entering simulation and test solution, we do predict the performance and the behavior of these assets and processes even before cutting any steel. So we can really consider SimCenter as being the beating heart of the Siemens comprehensive digital twin. So, and you mentioned as a comment before, you know that I do believe in the value that simulation and analysis tools bring, whether they are software, hardware, or services and the value that they bring to the world since uh, they exist. The use of the digital twin models have a direct and positive impact on the way we live, the way we travel from a place to another, the way we get connected, and more importantly, how we can be cured. Right? If you look into the investment that Siemens made in the last 10 years, the fidelity and the accuracy of our digital twin, its comprehensiveness as well, are a knowledge in the marketplace to be the most advanced and thorough. We're used widely across many industries to design, to build products that range from the largest chemical processes plants to the smallest mobile devices and everything in between, whether it's aircraft, ships, cars, engines, medical devices, home appliances, batteries, and so forth. You see that all types of companies, from the startups to the largest and iconic ones, are using SimCenter to remain competitive because we help them discovering better designs faster and help them predicting and validating how the next products will actually behave. So our solution spans from materials to full systems and the entire products, including this, you know, electronics, mechanical, electrical design, manufacturing, safety, and reliability aspects. Why well, indeed my goal is to continue expanding that relevance and making sure that our technologies serve the purpose we have mentioned before, right? So what we do is we keep working at lowering the barriers for using these models even more widely and seamlessly than before in order to see them used by every engineer running, you know, on any edge device and so forth. So as an example, we released last year what we call the executable digital twin. Those smart models don't require engineers sitting in front of his desk to operate them. They're just being fed with IoT and census data and can accurately predict product performance based on real operation, operational conditions, meaning that they provide today valuable information to the design engineering teams so they can use that for the next generation of products or even improve their current uh, product line. But they can also be used by the maintenance and operation teams to optimize the service time of these products and help them diagnosing 
possible corrective actions in order to anticipate also the maintenance operations. So you see that the usage of the sim center digital twin model is today close to be limitless. And we keep expanding it as scope and a value every day. So one of the predictions you've made last time I interviewed you was that computer-aided simulation technology will be used by every engineer and installed on every piece of hardware equipment. That's a huge vision, isn't it? It's a huge potential for our industry as well. That's happening today. It's already in, uh, it's actually uh, effective in, uh, and we have that on-the-edge devices already available, right? Thanks to our executable digital twins. It's just the, uh, the start of a... Uh, I guess that spread that I was mentioning before and desire to see it, you know, used more and more because it brings real value to the enterprises. And for guys like us who've been around for 30 years, it's amazing, isn't it, the progress that's been made? Because when we first started, this was kind of a geeky niche technology that people were only starting to take seriously. We had to really convince people what we were doing was was simulating reality. And now we've come to a stage where it's part of literally everything. So it's a really exciting time. There has been a real shift in people's mind about the simulation solutions and, and tools from being just a troubleshooting type of uh, you know technology to now really driving you know the innovation into the uh, into these enterprises. So that brings me on to the fourth trend as well. That that whole idea of democratization is about to get even more turbocharged by kind of the emergence of artificial intelligence and machine learning. So back in 2016, I think I maybe I owned an Amazon Alexa, but these days, like those kind of personal assistants are everywhere, aren't they? But it's they're not just for kind of consumer goods. They're going to start influencing the, the simulation and test games in ways that people haven't even really imagined yet. Right. There's been a lot of uh, research and uh, actually um, achievements that have been made in the, in the field of artificial intelligence. We've been exploring ourselves also the possibilities of uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, deep learning in the way, uh, you know, they could uh, add value to our users, uh, helping them in one way or another. So if you pay attention to uh, Sim Center today, we already feature a number of those capabilities uh, across its solutions. We have not finished. We're still working on, we're still expanding the, uh, the usability and the scope of a, um, AI within our solutions. But customers can already benefit from it today at different levels. First, on the user experience. If you look into uh, Sim Center 3D, we have the user interface exposing the next command that you're likely to need based on your past actions. So the UI will adapt and adjust based on what the system is uh, anticipating you will need to use as a common, making the uh, UI much more clean and giving more room for your graphic window where you are operating on your design. The second is on accelerating design predictions. Today, we've demonstrated that you can train your neural network with advanced physics results. We've been uh, actually also publishing example on combustion results within the piston chamber and also, you know, showing predictions coming from both the uh, artificial intelligence solution platform, as well as the combustion analysis. The solutions were uh, within less than 10% difference. So we're not saying that AI can help you validating yet your uh, designs, but they capture the trends and they can help you accelerating your, your selection of design. So you remain, when you get into the validation stage with just a few uh, designs rather than having a, a large number. So you can focus your time and the harder time and in, in, in the analysis time just on a few of them. 
that's an important point, isn't it? Because it basically allows people to spend more of their time doing what engineers should be doing, which is interpreting the data and making decisions, and less time doing manual, arduous tasks, which is, what again, what it was like when we first started as well. So that's, that's a big step forward for engineers as a profession, I think. Right. So we used to spend 90% of the time in the past when I started to work myself in the, in the early 90s. 90% of my time was to create a mesh and then to set up the solver and the last 10% on the understanding the, uh, the results and draw uh, conclusions to improve my design. Now it's the opposite. I mean, people, and that's the, uh, what happens with our solution, spend maybe 10 to 15% of their time you know, setting up the problem. The rest is on, let me analyze all my different uh, analyses here and find out what is my best uh, set of designs or thread of analysis I can get out of it. So it's, it's really have the engineers doing their engineering world. I was mentioned about accelerating the design predictions, but we can also use that to uh, uh, AI to create, you know, reduced order models and then use those surrogate models to continue accelerating that design predictions even faster. We can even embed those into edge devices to create those edge executable digital twins. You know, see, this is also the link with the previous question you had. Where do you see the uh, SIM center going in the future? And it's not only there. I mean, uh, today we also use AI in SIM center for additive manufacturing, uh, you know, process simulation and performance on the fatigue aspect. We can actually take into account the micro porosities and uh, of the different metallurgical phases that have been created during that building process and assess the durability and the fatigue of such a product thanks to AI. It's impossible otherwise. In the field of advanced driving systems and autonomous driving, here too, AI is instrumental in identifying the critical scenarios you know, to validate. There are so many of those that are possibilities that we need uh, you know, smart ways to actually limit our effort or the simulation effort on those that are actually uh, critical. And AI is here to help us identifying them. The number of applications is endless. We're just scratching the surface and and covering the possibilities. On this front, I mean, stay tuned because there's a lot of to come in the coming uh, months and years uh, from Seam Center. That whole automated driving systems progress has been much faster than most people expected as well. I mean, so again, once again, if we'd have said five years ago, you'd be able to go to Arizona and hail a completely autonomous Google taxi cab, people wouldn't have believed that at all. But now I'm looking at stage like, so I've got two kids who are eight and nine. Normally when you get to 18, the big rite of passage is getting your driver's license for the first time but for my kids you know that's not going to be a thing it's going to be completely i think it's going to be almost a redundant skill such is the pace of development in automated driving and again that's something else which is being being driven by sim center and sim center pre-scan it's uh it's a huge a huge thing for the world it's a huge thing i agree with you we really are with our solution help engineers to uh really design test and optimize that autonomous systems uh by using physics-based simulation. So they can today prove that safety and reliability of those systems from really the early research and development stages until the final stages of validation, but also certification and prepare for the homologation of autonomous vehicles. We have a um, a large uh, scope of uh, capabilities that are available within our solutions today for them to uh, easily perform that self-driving studies in order to, you know, optimally configure the sensors, but also develop that robust driving assistance systems. Evaluating the performance of the perception, 
the fusion, the planning, the control algorithms together, and, and therefore uh, get ready to uh, the certification of those autonomous vehicle systems. And eventually end up with, with autonomous drivers who are safer than human drivers. I think that's going to happen quite rapidly. So looking back across the whole of the first five years of SimCenter, what do you think SimCenter's biggest accomplishments have been? I think that we, first of all, can be really proud of what Siemens has been delivering with the SimCenter because they've been on, it's been on its promises. First, if you look into the field of integrated and comprehensive multidisciplinary and multi-physics simulation and test solutions, we have brought together under one umbrella technologies and products coming from various key players, whether it was UGS, LMS, CD Adapco, Mentor, TAS, SAP Medav, Multimec, Schoolg, and more recently, Nextro Software. That's quite an achievement, being able to realize that integration. The second is, I think that we are the first to offer system simulation capability for model-based design. If you look into the industry, the product innovation and differentiation is increasingly happening through, uh, you know, that combination of mechanical, electrical, but also electronics and software uh, disciplines together. What I'm saying is that the corresponding product complexity is drastically higher than it used to be. You don't find a industrial company today optimizing a product for just one single discipline and one single attribute. No. And what we do is that with the Sim Center system simulation, we lead the way and provide the deep insight to the underlying physics by shifting to the left the management of that complexity and uh, very early in the, into the engineering cycle. The third is on the field of generative engineering. I think that everybody appreciates that exploring the space of the possible configurations of the design of a product is a multifaceted approach. And this encompasses multiple technologies. If you look into it, we feature today AI and machine learning within Sim Center to search intelligently for suitable system and product architectures. No one else can do this. Then we have also within the Sim Center the ability to perform what we call topological optimization, but we can do so for different engineering disciplines, for structural, fluidic, thermal disciplines as well, in order to propose new designs that offer a higher performance and often can be manufactured with additive manufacturing processes. Then we use AI again for topological and parametric exploration together to fine-tune those design analyses and offer the users for him to uh, actually select what is the, the most robust design he can find and perform this trade-off uh, analysis and make the right decision at the end of the day. I mentioned just a, uh, before the, um, the structural integrity and the fatigue performance of 3D printed components, right? So here we're connecting today the manufacturing process with the structural performance through that modeling of, uh, you know, this microstructure that is being, uh, you know, built during the, uh, the uh, additive manufacturing process. And we can leverage really our true multi-scale approach with AI to enhance the simulation of that lattice structures, take into account the effect of the porosity in the microstructure, as well as the other attributes to assess accurately what the fatigue performance and durability of such a part are. On the fourth, I think it's, uh, I want to come back on this uh, advanced driver assistance systems and autonomous driving. I think that here, our solution is today capable of helping engineers designing, testing, and optimizing those systems by using physics-based simulation. 
right, they can already prove the safety and the the reliability of their autonomous systems and perform easily those self-driving studies and prepare for the validation and certification of their autonomous vehicle systems. The whole rapid prototyping and 3D printing, because that means now like we, we can use the AI things and machine learning to generate more optimized, better performing designs. And now we can also, for the first time, manufacture them before. Because that was always a huge constraint, wasn't it? Is you could design things you couldn't build. But, but, but 3D printing, rapid prototyping help us to build things as we design them for the first time. Right. It was very virtual. That's right. It was a real digital twin in the past. So now with other Siemens solution, we can also manufacture those products and they're fully optimized. And, and they're, you get shapes that no one can actually imagine with a traditional uh, parametric-based geometric tool. You can only do that using multidisciplinary simulation and test, can't you? Because like you were saying... All the simple single discipline problems have already been solved. And in for orders to, can, to, to, to solve these huge challenges we've talked about, we have to use all the weapons, all the tools that are available for us. And that means optimizing across multiple domains. So that's a, a massive challenge once again. I agree. I think we, um, the industry has exhausted you know, the optimization thanks to uh, simple approaches. Now, in order to get further, you need to embrace that complexity, and that's exactly what we aim at. We want them to actually understand and acknowledge that, yes, what they're doing is very complex. So they need a tool that has the ability to uh, you know, manage that complexity. As a final question, which is probably slightly absurd considering all the massive, unpredicted changes we've talked about already, but do you have any predictions about what the next five years is going to hold for engineering, simulation, sim center? Well, uh, I can tell you one thing is for us, we shall continue contributing at creating that sustainable industrial innovation for the world. We want to live in today and tomorrow. To me, having a purpose in what we do every day is, is of a primary importance. And we'll do so by expanding the, uh, the SimSet portfolio to support our customers in their digital journey. So I, I'm not going to unveil, uh, you know, features and, and, and so forth, but I can tell you that um, the way we work today we actually are building our solution on, you know, um, four pillars, which are, which we consider being imperative requirements in order to help our customers in their digital journey and digital transformation of their engineering and simulation processes. I mentioned just earlier, the first of these pillars, and I think it's, uh, it, should, it should be a no, not a surprise, is the ability to model the complexity. I'm talking here really the ability to predict to measure the behavior and the performance in the best possible way. Meaning, I want us to capture all the complexity, be it from the geometry, the physics, the interaction of the physics together, or the operating environment as well, in order to uh, you know, uh, be able to deliver that and create a value. The second pillar of our foundation here, of a strategy, is to explore the possibilities I mentioned uh, you know, uh, several times about trade-off analysis, the exploration. Yes, as, as the uh, complexity increases, it's the degrees of freedom available for making decisions also increases. And uh, it's a, through a systematic and intelligent exploration of the design space that the, our users will gain a tremendous value from uh, our models. And they will be able to discover new designs. They will be able to optimize for the performance they will be able to improve their robustness. The third of our pillars is going faster. Well, 
if you increase the complexity of your uh, modelization, whether it's from the geometry or whether from the physics, if you now add also another dimension that you want to explore multiple scenarios, multiple conf configurations, well, that pressure of time, the cost and quality still apply. So our imperative here to the team, to our development team, is to ensure that while our customers are modeling with higher fidelity their products and systems, and while they're exploring multiple variants and configuration, the execution of our solutions must stay within their expected timeline, within their constraint. So for us, it's, uh, it, it spans uh, you know, uh, across multiple areas. It could be on the, the licensing that needs to be adapted and flexible. It spans through um, you know, the support of a, uh, the latest hardware technologies. It means also making sure that our solution is available on the cloud. There's a lot of a, uh, you know, um, implications of going faster. It's not just from the solver time, it's from, it's from also the injuring time, it's from the access, it's from the, uh, uh, the flexibility that we offer to our customers. And, and just mentioned three, if we talk about the fourth, well, the fourth pillar is to stay integrated. As the product development has become more complex, there also are more opportunities for misalignment between the teams working on those products. So we consider traceability as a key enabler, right, for visibility and a digital and continuous process that connects all the relevant stakeholders, processes, models, data, suppliers, to uh, and, and so forth, is actually highly critical. So that's for us, the fourth pillar is to ensure that integration and interoperability between the different disciplines, but also between the different steps, you know, within the uh, design lifecycle. You'll see a lot of progress in the multiple disciplines, but you know we we continue expanding, you know, the disciplines that the uh, and the scope of a sim center. So that that's a really interesting insight, though, isn't it? Because when you think about how, how we're going to solve problems, we don't know we exist yet, and it is by sticking to those kind of core principles. You call them pillars, but by sticking to those principles, we end up developing software and test systems, which will help us deal with any problems we face in the future. And, and that's, uh, I think we've demonstrated across the, the last five years that that approach is the right approach. So that approach gives us the agility to actually adapt to, you know, the grand challenges of our customers. I mentioned the customer advisory council that we have. This is where those are being discussed as well, and uh, the, the challenges. And that approach that strategy based on these four pillars helped us adapt and be nimble on the needs and helped us anticipating what the future holds. So Jean-Claude, I want to finish this podcast off with an invitation. I want you to open your calendar now, book in a slot for June 16th, 2026, so we can get together for the 10th anniversary podcast and we can reminisce about how quaint the world was back in 2021 and all the other fantastic problems we will have solved by then. So I, I'm sure if you open your calendar, you've probably already got a booking for that day for something else. But if you can find a slot for us in five years' time, we'd really love to hear, hear, hear how the next five years go. So are you up for that, Jean-Claude? Sure thing. I'm, actually, I'm, I'm just opening it now. <laughs> Excellent. Done. You better be there. Yeah, I will. Thank you very much, Jean-Claude. That was brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, guys. 